The future of business. Future of business. Future of business. More global and more decentralized. Making sure that enterprises are a lot more responsible. Smart cities. More collaboration. Consumer-driven. Productivity. Environmental and social responsibility. Global. Human-centered. Purposeful. Individualized. Automation. Big data. Climate change. Space exploration. Renewable energy. Information security. Exciting and digital. Hello and welcome to the Future of Business podcast. I'm your host, Alison MacArthur. Today we'll be venturing to the final frontier for a very special episode on the future of space. Once the stuff of science fiction, more and more companies are getting into the space business, led by some big players that you've probably heard of. Elon Musk's SpaceX, Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic, and Jess Bezos' Blue Origin. To help us understand how the sector is evolving, we spoke with Chad Anderson, CEO of Space Angels, an investment firm that specialises in funding space-related startups. Chad recently joined us on the podcast via Skype. Welcome, Chad, to the podcast. Thank you very much for being here with us remotely today. Um, So you were once a student here at um, SBS. Could you just maybe start by telling us what got you interested in space and how you went from business school to working in space investment? Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, prior to business school, I was in banking and um, just doing commercial real estate. And I was spending a lot of time um, after uh, work, doing different things. Um, I was volunteering my time with uh, Children's Theater in Seattle um, and uh, started a nonprofit with some friends of mine in Morocco focused on entrepreneurship and economic empowerment. And these things were really motivating for me and really um, uh, what was getting me excited and making me want to um, spend my energy doing. So I decided to go to Oxford because of the Skoll Center and because I wanted to focus my career on social entrepreneurship. So I went in 2012 and uh, while I was there, I really focused my energy on that. Uh, I led the Social Impact Club when I first arrived. And um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, the first time in my life where, you know, since I was a teenager where I wasn't working two jobs or more and I decided to do the program full time and spend my time thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I was following uh, the news and what was happening in commercial space. SpaceX had launched for the first time a customer to orbit uh, a few years earlier. And in 2012, when I was at Oxford, uh, SpaceX uh, connected with the space station, delivered cargo for NASA to the space station, brought their spacecraft down um, safely. And they became the fourth entity in the world to do that. The others were all um national superpowers, um, space superpowers, so the U.S., Russia, um, and China. And so uh, we were witnessing, you know, uh, private companies do something um, that was previously unthinkable. Um, I had grown up on sci-fi, and um, it was, you know, an interest of mine. Um, Space, space exploration, business of space, this was all very interesting to me. I was spending a lot of time following the news, but I never you know, once considered even the, the possibility that there would be a, a role for someone like me in, you know, to make a career out of it. Um, yeah, it I, really, I do notice yeah. that, um, yeah, a lot of the people that probably end up working in the industry, they always wanted to, you know, they were, you loved space as a child and, you know, wanted to be an astronaut perhaps, or they were just mm-hmm. fascinated by the area. So it's, um, it's pro- I guess it's nice that you've managed to, um, to carve out a, a living for 
yourself in that area? Yeah, I mean, it was really the the time off that allowed me to that to um, to stop and think and say, you know, um, what I wanted to do with my career next. And there was this opportunity opening up. The biggest barrier probably was um, everyone that I talked to in the sector had some kind of science, technology, engineering type of background. And I was, you know, business, I'm an economics, uh, finance undergrad and, you know, an MBA. So um, uh, I began doing informational interviews and asking people, um, talking to anybody I, I could that would talk to me and asking them, you know, is there a place for someone like me with my background in this sector where everyone has a technical background? And they said, yes, you know, it's just starting to grow. Um, and uh, we're it's full of technical people and we don't have business people to help manage its growth. Yeah, well, that's it's kind of good to know for, I imagine, a lot of people that are listening to the podcast that, you know, are either MBAs or thinking about an MBA or have a business background that, you know, you can go into an industry that you're passionate about that might not, you know, obviously kind of align with your, your skill set or background. Um, so you are currently the CEO of Space Angels. Could you just give us um, an overview of what, what it does and how important it is for, you know, startup, space startups and growing companies to get angel investment? We're a bit of um, a unique model, something uh, of our own invention. And so um, Space Angels was actually around for a few years before I joined. Um, it wasn't much of a business model and it was... Um, uh, an angel network, um, so a group of volunteers kind of loosely formed, and it was more of an investing club. We tried to move as far away from um, the angel network model as possible and uh, essentially refounded the company. Uh, what that meant was we we created what we call an angel fund, and so uh, we invested in an online platform um, which uh, allows accredited investor members to come on, get access to a lot of information about these startups, uh, and then invest through us. And then we manage it just like a venture capital fund. And so the Space Angels, Angel Fund, um, we've been growing now since 2015, and we have almost 30 companies in our portfolio, and we've invested 12, 13 million through that Angel Fund. And in 2017, we launched our venture capital fund, um, which is a venture capital fund in the truest sense. Um, it's called Space Capital, um, and invests the, the two funds invest alongside of each other. And so um, we are in the process of closing that fund now. Um, and it looks like it's going to be somewhere between um, 16 and $20 million in, in that fund. Um, and so really what we do is um, space uh, specifically. So we're sector focused fund and we focus on seed and series A opportunities. So really early stage companies and we try to be the first um, uh, check in. So we invest globally. And so we're looking at um, uh, companies everywhere. Just this last quarter, we invested in a company in Singapore, uh, in the UK, uh, Switzerland, uh, a couple in the US and a couple in Canada. It's a really interesting time for um, the sector and space startups um, in particular. Prior to, to SpaceX first launching in 2009, there wasn't a whole lot of entrepreneurial activity to speak of. There was maybe a couple of dozen privately funded space companies globally. And what they did was effectively bring down the barriers to entry. So they brought the cost way down and uh, they brought transparency to the market. And they published mm -hmm. their pricing. So now entrepreneurs could understand how much money they needed to go raise um, to build a business based on satellite hardware, satellite data. And so we've seen the market just uh, grow exponentially. So we've gone from a couple of dozen privately funded companies to now 435 plus 
today and they've raised 20 billion dollars over that period of time and so really what we do is um uh, as the most established investor in this sector we're really out looking for all the best opportunities as they become available so as the next barrier to entry falls and there's new opportunity for entrepreneurs we want to be there first uh, looking for those gaps in the market and looking for the entrepreneurs that are best positioned um, to take advantage of the changing landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, certainly. I know that um, SpaceX, at least for me, has like really sort of, you know, brought this sort of space industry, I guess, into into my my area of you know, yeah. awareness. And, um, you know, I guess that helps with like Elon Musk, you know, making these big claims, like he wants to like colonize Mars and all these, these exciting things. But, you know, some amazing things have been achieved recently, like the such as like the Falcon Heavy launch. I mean, that was pretty incredible um, to watch. And then I guess yeah. in terms of, as you mentioned, it, I guess it sort of fosters a lot of space-related startups, but in terms of investors and people that are sort of investing in these um, companies who who you deal with, I mean, are they people who are really excited? Is it that they're excited about space and they care more about the, you know, the opportunities for the space industry to shape the future of humanity? Or is is it more a commercially economically motivated decision or is it is a bit of both yeah it's a great question and it's dynamic so um it's changing over time as the industry evolves so too do does the investor base so too does the um uh, caliber and quality of entrepreneurs that are involved when i took over base angels and you know was was experimenting with business models and we were refounding the company back then it was really difficult um, to get investors excited about what was happening. Most of them at that time were were what you said. You know, they're really enthusiasts, people who are investing for impact, right? They were um, really wanted to see their vision of space become a reality. They were children of the Apollo era and wanted to see, you know, uh, humanity take those steps forward. They were really investing for impact. And as things have evolved, as more... Um, entrepreneurs have come into the sector um, there they've attracted more capital and as they've attracted more capital um, we're attracting more entrepreneurs to the sector right so it's a virtuous cycle um, that's a, you know it's kind of a big wheel that takes uh, a lot of energy to get moving but now that it's moving it's moving really 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 quickly so uh, today it's much different in that most of you know, uh, a lot of the investors that we're seeing now are really more mainstream investors. We're seeing a lot of finance first investors, meaning, you know, people who are investing really for financial returns. They don't really care what they're investing in mm-hmm. um, because they're starting to see the opportunity, the, the financial and economic opportunity in space. Yeah, I can imagine there's a sort of huge upside potential um, on this sort of thing, particularly as it, it becomes more commercialized in the future, um, maybe long term, long term investment. Um, so I know you mentioned that at school you're very interested in uh, sort of social enterprise and you've spoken about the space industry as like the ultimate social impact area. Um, what, what does responsible business look like in the space sector? There's really two pieces to this. One is the abstract in that um, every astronaut that's been to space, um, 99% of them that you, that you speak to, they will tell you that um, that when you see Earth from outside, um, it's a really pro has a really profound um, impact on them and their perspective and they gain this new enlightened perspective a sense of responsibility and connectedness and uh, I think that uh, you know so far we've had 500 people 
maybe a few more um, go to the space station and experience that. Um, we're now entering an era where we're going to have, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people going up and and getting this new enlightened perspective. And so I think, you know, a lot of the big problems that we have here on Earth, you know, any of the UN, UN Sustainable Development Goals, like um, uh, famine, uh, disasters, uh, so, you know, you name it, um, all of these are preventable and we, we have the resources to stop them. It's the will that we lack. And so... Um, uh, I really like space um, from that perspective, that it has that ability to profoundly impact humanity um, in the abstract. But then also in a very practical level, um, space, uh, I don't think gets the credit that it deserves, um, particularly with regards to how it enables our modern global economy. Basically, everything that you know today wouldn't function um, without space, without GPS particularly. For example, precision timing allows for our financial markets. GPS uh, enables our global shipping lanes. Um, it enables the aircraft and the volumes of aircraft and, and, and uh, international airline flights that we have today, all the way down to you know how we get around with Uber and Lyft and uh, location-based services like food delivery and what have you. It's hard to imagine a world today without um, GPS in it. And so um, that's a really sort of foundational layer for space and how it impacts um, our everyday lives. But then also... Uh, all of these new satellites that are going up that are going to be uh, observing Earth from space um, are enabling us to do things like precision agriculture, combating hunger, uh, monitoring our oceans, uh, monitoring our infrastructure, monitoring our forests and making sure that they're safe. So there's a lot of um, impact um, on the Earth observation side as well, which is growing like mad in space at the moment. Absolutely. No, that sounds absolutely fascinating. It's so interesting to see so many private companies um, come into this space. And it seems like a lot of them have um, an international scope, which is quite interesting because the space industry, I guess, particularly space travel, has historically been seen as a very sort of national thing. Um, you know, how how is this sort of, you know, given that a lot of these new enterprises sort of maybe have like an uh, international reach, how does how does that work? Is there some sort of inter-country cooperation? Are there more public-private partnerships being established? How does the... Mm -hmm. How does that all fit together? It's really dynamic and it's happening on a number of different axes. So um, uh, in the U.S., uh, the government has done, you know, uh, it's for decades now, it's really been established that there's a handful of companies, um, government and defense contractors and one customer, you know, the government. And um, uh, NASA has... Um, is split on this, um, but uh, it's slowly starting to come around. But um, around 2008, 2009, there was a few uh, really forward-thinking people who um, enabled this new type of contract where instead of basically um, funding the development of hardware, um, like large launch vehicles and things like that, they would instead say, um, we don't really want to own or develop um, a rocket. What, we'd, what we want to do is get people and cargo to the space station. So if somebody can do that for us, you know, here's a price that we're willing to pay. And so this transition from them being a benefactor or a, a development funder to a customer is really what's enabled a lot of the, the, the private sector entrepreneurial approaches to space in the U.S. 
and we're seeing a number of, of countries around the world start to piggyback on this. And so um, in the U.S., it first started with um, commercial cargo, which SpaceX in 2012, that's the contract that they were on. Boeing and SpaceX have those contracts. Now they're moving on to commercial crew. You've probably seen some uh, headlines about this where they're going to, you know, instead of just launching uh, robotic cargo missions, now they're going to be launching uh, autonomous uh, human uh, mm -hmm. missions taking NASA astronauts to the space station and they're um, leveraging this same type of contracting um, approach to the new things that they're trying to do with the moon for example um, the commercial lunar payload services um, program it's two and a half billion dollars over the next 10 years for small and medium lunar landers to basically take NASA's cargo which would be small robots and science instruments to the moon to the lunar surface so that's very exciting and then we're starting mm -hmm. to see that play out now with the uh, uh, the human lunar landers as well, um, you know, tying in with the Jeff Bezos um, announcement. Yeah, it's, it'll be really exciting to see uh, what happens over the next few years. I know that you uh, you recently wrote that 2019 is the year of commercial space travel. So do you think that space travel will reach the masses at some point in the next, I don't know, five, 10 years? What do you think the timeline is for that? Oh, and, and, and most importantly, do you think you'll be on one of the flights? Is that what you want? <laughs> well, I certainly want to be. That's, yeah. you know, um, my little secret. The reason why I'm doing all of this is just so I can get a discounted flight. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but I think um, this is happening a lot more quickly than uh, most people realize. And it's not happening overnight. There's been a lot of... Uh, time and energy and capital put into these projects and uh, into these companies that we're just starting to see come to fruition at the same time. So um, since the shuttle was retired in 2011, um, the U.S. has not had a launch capability to take humans to orbit. The only vehicle um, that we've had is the Russian Soyuz, and it has taken all astronauts to the space station, you know, over this, over this period. That's all starting to change really this year. So um, we've seen... SpaceX and Boeing both have commercial um, crew contracts with NASA, and they are there's there's some struggles with that program. And um, as you'd imagine, SpaceX sent up their first um, uh, uh, Dragon crew capsule to the space station without crew um, as a Demo One mission uh, earlier this year, and it was a fantastic success. Um, they've had an explosion that they're working through with NASA now and a test vehicle since then. And, um, uh, but they were supposed to launch in August, um, I believe. And, um, that might now get pushed out to, um, early next year and Boeing as well, but that's coming, um, uh, you know, in the next six to 12 months, we're going to start to see some developments there. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see, um, astronauts get to the space station, uh, on these commercial vehicles. So that's very exciting. Um, then we'd have three vehicles online later this year or early next year. And um, there's also two suborbital vehicles being developed. So um, obviously, uh, Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic has been um, working on this for quite some time. Um, their Spaceship 2 had a great success earlier this year where they took two pilots, took uh, their astronaut uh, trainer up. And so they had three people go up and get their astronaut wings. And they've just now moved from uh, the Mojave Desert in California, which is where they're doing all of their testing, now over to New Mexico in Spaceport America, where they're going to begin uh, commercial operations. And so they're looking to start taking passengers later this year. And obviously, they've had 
I forget the exact number, but it's somewhere around 700 um, or more people have uh, paid deposits to go. Um, wow. So they're going to start start taking those people to space. And Blue Origin, um, Jeff Bezos's um, uh, space company, has launched their new Shepard vehicle um, now 11 times. Two boosters, um, two rockets have flown five times each. Um, and without incident and are making great progress. And he's just confirmed that they're going to begin flying people this year. So we're going to go from one vehicle that could take people to the edge of space or to space to five vehicles later this year or early next year. And we're now entering um, an era where, you know, instead of uh, a few hundred people who have the right stuff going to space, people are, you know, you're going to be out at a party and you're going to be talking to somebody who's just gone. It's expensive still. So it, um, on Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic to go to the edge of space is still, you know, $250,000. So it's no, it's, um, you know, it's a significant amount of money, but it's much more affordable in a lot of people that's in a lot of people's price range. That's so interesting to think that you just, you know, a few years ago, you never would have thought that would be possible even in our lifetimes perhaps, but um, no, that's so interesting and um, be good to keep an eye on that. Wonderful. Well, Chad, thank you so much for joining us. Um, that was a really fascinating episode. I'm sure um, everyone listening would probably agree. Um, yeah. And thank you for taking the time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Future of Business podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you get the latest episodes as they're released. You can also send us your questions or feedback at sbspodcasts at sbs.ox.ac.uk.